good morning. It's, um, it is a real pleasure to be, to be with you here this morning, and um, thank you, Diego, for giving me this opportunity um, to open up the Bible with you all. And um, yeah, for those of you who haven't met, um, I've been coming here for a little under three years, and I'm actually a regular at the 6 p.m. I used to be a regular here at the 11 a.m., which is why I recognize so many wonderful faces, and it's so good to see you all. Um, but I have sadly moved to the evening service, um, but it is really good to be back. So this morning we're going to be, as, as Jago said, looking at the um, sort of end of Matthew's gospel. But before we, before we open up the passage, I've just got a couple of questions. Um, have you ever found yourself calling for help because you failed to prepare for something? A couple of examples. Maybe having to call that housemate or spouse after you rush out. The, the door slams shut behind you and the keys are on the other side of the door. Or maybe you, maybe you found yourself at the airport. You know, you've been planning that relaxing holiday for the last year, and you arrive at the check-in desk, and your passport's still at home. Or maybe you found yourself sitting in an exam, or maybe your kids have found themselves sitting in an exam recently, and they're praying to God because they know they haven't prepared. So as Jago said, this is the final week in our summer series on kingdom parables, and Together, we've been looking at several of the stories that Jesus taught his followers, and we've been working through the Gospel of Matthew, and today we arrive at Matthew 25. And we've seen Jesus repeatedly use these stories to speak truth into what the kingdom of God is and what it will be in the future. And he has spoken at length about what's required of us, his followers, First is to repent, to turn around, and then to believe, to believe that he is the son who he says he is. And then to strive to live righteous lives in light of our newfound redemption. But as Jesus' time on earth was drawing to a close, his focus turned to his betrayal and his crucifixion. And in, this, in these final recorded parables, he turns his attention to his return and how we, his followers, can prepare for it. So I'm going to encourage each one of you, if you have a Bible at the end of your pew, these uh, great big red or orange Bibles, can I encourage you to grab them, pass them down, open it up. We're on, we're sort of like most of the way through the Bible. They, they have a weird numbering system where it like starts at zero for the New Testament. So we're on page 27 of the New Testament section. And we're looking at Matthew 25. And before I read it, um, this, this story, this parable that Jesus talks about is he's teaching about two types of people. He, he talks about those who are spiritually prepared and those who are spiritually unprepared for his coming. And this, this story is otherwise known as the story of the ten virgins, but um, if we were going to translate it for the 21st century, we'd probably say the story of the ten bridesmaids. And it is part of this instruction as to how we as Christians prepare for Jesus' return. So we're going to read Matthew 25, starting at verse 1, but before I do that, I'm just going to pray for us. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you we get the chance this morning to read it, to open it up together. I pray that your spirit would fall on this place, that people's hearts and minds would be open to what we have to hear, and that through this, our lives would be transformed. So I'm just going to read, starting at verse 1. 
Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. To understand this parable, we need to first understand something of why Jesus was telling it. And he was actually answering a question that was posed to him by one of his disciples just in the previous chapter, in chapter 24. And it reads, as, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And as with so much of Jesus' teaching when he taught him in parables, it's meant to communicate one main point. And he uses a story that applied to their context to, to, to teach it. And, and the main point of this whole story is this. The people of God are being instructed about how to get ready to meet the bridegroom. And I have one question really for you today. And it's, are you ready? Are you ready to meet Jesus? This is not an easy question, and I make no apologies for that. But I think this parable has something to say about what it means to be ready. And I hope that in spending the next 10 minutes or so looking at it, each of us can be better equipped to try and answer that question for ourselves. Am I ready? So we'll start at verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. So this was a first century wedding, which was probably a bit different to any of the weddings that any of us have attended. And the bridesmaids, they were to go and meet the bridegroom. And with their lamps, they would light the way for him to the wedding feast, where he would finally meet his bride. This was their job. This was the responsibility they were given. And so the lamps, they needed to be ready. They needed oil. That was the fuel. So when the groom arrived, they were supposed to be ready. They would light their lamps so that they could lead him in. This is the situation they find themselves. And we read, five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. Oil was a necessity for light. It was the fuel, and even the foolish women knew that. 
And without it, they could not do their job. The five foolish bridesmaids were not taking seriously their responsibility to give light. So what responsibility do you have? What is your lamp? What is the job that you feel you have been given? And I'm, when I say job, I'm not just talking about paid employment. It might mean that for some of us here, but it means something unique to each one of us. We all have a job to do, a part to play in building up the kingdom of God. For you, maybe you're caring for a relative, or you're raising a family, or you're healing the sick, or standing up for the poor. Maybe some of us, we're, we're, making, we're trying to make an impact in the workplace, or we're just being a supportive friend to that, that friend who really needs our help. Maybe you are speaking the good news of Jesus Christ to those who do not yet believe. These are the jobs, these are the works of righteousness that the scriptures call us to. These are the jobs that we have been given. These are our lamps. This is a, this is a story about the people of God being made holy, sanctified by fulfilling the good work that Jesus has called us to. So what do you want to be doing when he comes back? At that moment, I, I want to be in the workplace. I want to be bringing light into a dark place, carrying Jesus' light with me wherever I go. But what about for you? The lamp can look different for each one of us, but we all have a job to do. Oh, that as a church, we might be found doing the works of righteousness when he comes back. That we might be the light to a dark world. And if we're not working, then we're sleeping. Because we were working so hard during the day. That would be a nice way to meet him. And I do not want to be unprepared. Who of you has heard the old army adage, prior preparation prevents piss poor performance? I'm actually not sure if I was allowed to say that, but yeah, a few, few people, people have heard that. Um, my, my secondary school math teacher actually had a, pers- a, a second favorite, which was failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Who's, anyone else? Yeah, a few of us have heard that one. And we're told in verse five that the bridesmaids got sleepy. Now, I don't think Matthew is actually recording this to condemn them. They say the groom was delayed for a long time, and so no fault is pressed there. They got sleepy, that's okay. But what you will notice is it's the groom's delay which makes the circumstance to tell which bridesmaids are faithful, which have prepared, and which have not. Which are true in some sense, and which are not. That is the circumstance in which the bridegroom comes. So verse eight, the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Now, you'd be forgiven to think that in the context of a wedding, there might be a little more cooperation on the part of the bridesmaids. But in this case, I think there is perhaps a moral behind this fact. See, Matthew's trying to Sorry, Jesus is trying to convey that saving grace 
is not transferable. Preparation in this context is not transferable. And so Jesus tells us that while the foolish bridesmaids have gone off to buy the oil to light their lamps, at that time, the bridegroom comes. And he takes the other bridesmaids with him and they go along to the rest of the wedding party. And they go into the feast and then the door is shut. And there's so much pathos in that phrase, the door is shut. I don't know about you, but it's one of those phrases in the Bible that when I read it, my heart sinks. I'm gutted for them. It's devastating. The door is shut. The time had arrived that they were waiting for and they were unprepared. They'd, they'd been given their lamps. They knew their job, but they got distracted. They completely, they took their eyes off the prize. And ultimately, they ran out of fuel. This, this second half of this passage reminds me of another story that Jesus told. I think some of you might be familiar with it. It's often referred to as the parable of the sower. And it talks about this different seed that falls on different types of soil. And there's this second type of soil. And it reads, other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up. But since they had no depth of soil, when the sun rose, they were scorched. Since they had no root... They withered away. Now roots fuel plants. Without roots, a plant cannot grow. It cannot flourish. And without oil, a lamp cannot give light. These foolish bridesmaids, like the seeds, they had no roots. They had nothing to fuel them. They looked the part. They spoke the part. They might have even kidded themselves that they were doing a good job. But when the time came, they were found out. So how are you preparing? How do we prepare well? To put down roots, to prepare well, is to acknowledge that we need God's help in all of this. We must invite his Holy Spirit to guide us and shape us as we go about our jobs, as we give light to the world. To put down roots, to prepare, is to linger in the Bible as we are shaped into Christ's likeness and our body and minds become renewed. The words we read are fuel and they spur us on as followers of Christ like oil to a lamp. To put down roots is to acknowledge that whenever, to acknowledge that when, whatever we do, we do only as a response to what Jesus has already done, as we profess his death and resurrection as an atonement for our sins. Friends, now is the time to put down roots. Now is the time to fuel up. Then we'll be too late. Now is the time to profess faith in the risen Jesus, to accept your invite to the wedding and to prepare joyfully during this engagement. When Jesus returns, it is too late. And Jesus speaks plainly of the consequences of all of this. 
If you look down with me at verses 11 to 13, we, we see the consequences of the foolish women's negligence. Verse 11 reads, Later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Jesus speaks here of the eternal consequences of unpreparedness. We learn again here that the consequence of a nominal profession of Christianity is eternal separation from God, nothing less. Like the plants that have no roots, there is no life for a Christian who has no fuel. If we are Christians in name only, if we are unprepared, if we have no roots, if we're holding our lamp but there's no oil to burn, then we face an eternity away from God. But the good news is for those five who were wise, for while the foolish knock on the door, the wise, they are inside, enjoying the wedding feast, and they will be there forever. I think John, writing in Revelation, summarized it really nicely when he writes, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that's Jesus. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper. We do not know, friends, when Jesus will return, like the women in this parable, but we are called to be ready. These bridesmaids, these five, they knew their job. They prepared really well. And then they enjoyed for all eternity what they were promised. So we all have a job to do. We all have a lamp. Preparation is vital if we want to run the race to its end. And the stakes, they just couldn't be higher. So, are you ready? I'm going to pray for us as we finish. Um, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the challenge that it is. I thank you that you have good promises for each one of us. I thank you for your son, Jesus, who came and died in our place. And Lord, I pray that if there are hearts and minds that have been challenged this morning, that we wouldn't walk away from this place without dealing with these things. that that challenge would turn into fruitfulness in whatever place that we're called to be.